Prism podcast make up. Why didn't we think of that sooner than now? I think I must have done that before now, right? Uh, who could say? You're listening to episode 10 of the Native Moon I'll podcast you. It is a uh, diversion from the usual uh, feed of Kamen Riders Me to uh, compare the anime Sailor Moon to the live action Sailor Moon. Uh, we look at the original anime uh, and the t- t- 2003 uh, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. And yeah, so we are 10 episodes in. It's been a minute. Um, today we are covering episodes um, 43 and 44. So we're near the end of the original 1990 anime. And uh, we are nearing the middle of the uh, Tokusatsu show of episodes 21 and 22. But I'm your host, Kip, as always. And with me is Allie. Hey, Allie. Hi. Hi, Allie. How's it going? This was an interesting ride of episodes and life lately. Yeah. Um, programming note, but basically, um, things have been super tumultuous. Um, you've heard if you've uh been listening in 2022, but like uh, between illness, between new jobs and time changes, and like weird different shifts and all this stuff, we've had a weird time of it, and also. Everybody I'm talking to is like moving or leaving a job or changing jobs or they're sick or they're buying a house and like nobody has any time. So um, we decided to put this episode out later and have it be our episode for this week instead of a bonus episode and like a one of two for this week because um, our book club on Comrider Deno, uh, we did finalize on that over Comrider like Fies and Blade. It was just kind of a. We also wanted to expand that book club a little bit to be like, hey, let's include a like third chair, um, friend of the show, like David from the Tokyo Fresh podcast, uh, lives in Japan. <laughs> so it was a, a kind of thing. Where it was like, should we push if we're having some issues to make sure like that like the next episode is this, or should we give some time and let people in three different time zones connect properly and take their time to like get prepared. So we decided that versus um like trying to push after it. We now have like a more stable schedule, but yeah, it's exhausting when stuff goes wrong and you're trying to put out a like show every week. Uh, but I think all my co-hosts, including Allie. Hey Allie. Hey. So yeah, um, <clears throat> this is our 10th or technically 11th. Cause Episode zero. Episode zero, yeah. So we are deep in the thick of it, but... Into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. This is our second to last episode on the Sailor anime? Yep, penultimate. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the word halfway through saying it, sorry. It's okay. Uh, we've been drinking, uh, which is fine. Um, we are underage. We are not underage. <laughs> we are not underage. <laughs> Uh, we are under the age flits um, of various narcotics. I uh, you had, had various. I had an aspirin. Oh, 
Do you want to have various narcotics? No, I just didn't want you to have various without me. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So um, I'm wondering how this show ends. But uh, we're wondering many things at this point. Many questions. I mean, it's scale back a little bit, too, because um, we thought we were reaching the end of a plot line. But it was clear that doing three episodes of the live action wouldn't bring us to the end of a plot line. So we decided to cut it back down to two. So we're just doing 21 and 22. No, 23. And we're also going to scale back next time, too. So we're not like coming in odd or like doing four. So. This time and next time, it's two episodes. So 21, 22 this time, 23, 24 next time. And then we're going to pass out the live action an extra week, which is fine. Because we have like five Sailor Moon animes. So like we'll run out pretty soon on that, you know. But yeah, um, before we really talk Sailor Moon and like after like a little, little bit of shop, um, what have we been doing this past month that is not Sailor Moon, honey? Playing Elden Ring and watching Rachel's Gemstones. Can you make the message praise be to he in Elden Ring or no? I don't think so. There's no pronouns, right? No. Praise be to dog. <laughs> Old codger. Praise finger butthole. Um <laughs> so let's start with Elden Ring. Um I am a a person who likes games. I don't want to say like a gamer because I'm a gamer. Okay. Um I will officially take on that title as of late. That's fair. I don't say gamer because weird people tend to claim that word, but I guess like I could say I'm a gamer. I also don't hate women or people who aren't white. Uh, so I'm a gamer. You're a gamer. Um, and and like Elden Ring, I've been super excited forever for this game. I've played a ton of the From games of the past couple years like as far as like since they kind of became like a bigger deal like with the like souls games and like bloodboard and like sekiro and you've been listening to the gamer podcast waypoint because i like it and you like the people even though you weren't playing many games for a while except for now now i'm a gamer yeah you play a lot of games now actually like you're playing like a lot of like um like i feel like the last six months i've been super into games yeah you have play dicey dungeons play the spires Play games like a packing. Boyfriend play Dungeon. Dungeon, yeah. And now Elden Ring. A game in which I have to use both sticks, which has previously been something I have been unable to do. So, like, it's weird to think, but, like, a lot of people kind of, like, grew up with the progression of controllers or they were kids and they were, like, given controllers. But, like, to use a stick to, like, move and a stick to, like, move the camera... That's a weird concept if you don't intuitively know it from just like learning at some point as a kid or like whatever. So I played Mario 64, which that did, I guess, have two sticks, but the one stick was in the middle that I never touched it. I don't know what that stick does. It does have two sticks, doesn't it? That's a weird controller situation because yeah. like the camera's weird, but yeah. And then my biggest gaming game is Spyro. In which you can choose passive mode for the cameras. And I have never unchosen passive mode for the cameras. So really my only experience playing with two sticks is struggling through the first Silent Hill while following a walkthrough. And um, playing Until Dawn. Mm -hmm. 
But besides that, I've pretty much always avoided anything that requires me to use two sticks because I get confused. A lot of horror games intentionally don't have like intricate gameplay and like there's a certain lack of control that's intentional. Like even like we watch like um a like playthrough of like the first Resident Evil where that like has like some like fixed camera stuff or like take, take controls. controls. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's a different thing to play a game and like do that because like it's like uh makes perfect sense to my brain, but to you it was new. But like you hadn't played any Souls games, you were like Souls Rogue. What the fuck is right. going on? No, my experience with Souls games is podcast. Right, it's the McElroys doing Monster Factory for one of them, right? Yeah, they played a bunch of mods of, like, Bloodborne Dark Souls 3. Yeah, so Monster Factory of Souls games, and then recently Waypoint streaming Kingsfield 4. Well, you've been hearing them talk about Souls-likes and roguelikes forever on Yes, Waypoint. and every time they t- say something about Souls-likes, I ask you, what's the Souls-like? And then I go, oh, I have to die a lot? I don't want to fail. I don't want to do that. But now I'm starting to learn that dying is not failing. It is learning. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Like, it's not like a Mario thing where, like, you die because you mess up. You die because you gain some knowledge. Like, it's less about, like, advancing a level. It's more about advancing your understanding. And that's a super cool way to do it. That's why these games are so popular, you know? It's super cool until I lose, like, 10,000 souls. To be fair. That's gaming, baby. That's part of the curve. Um, You can't mess up. Except for I'm very scared that I'm accidentally going to attack an NPC. So I always have to let the people at everybody I encounter, the first time I encounter a different like type of person, I have to let them attack me first so that I know that they're an enemy and not an NPC <laughs> and not gonna be my friend. Yeah, which is fun. But like these games are like very much um I was very excited for Eldrick is like open world souls like souls born. Um and I think there's like a really cool I'm gonna like do something with this idea but like a lot of souls games are kind of like spoken hub kind of like you have a lot of you might have a couple directions you can go but there's like hard walls there that you have to figure out how to deal with and this game is much more um there's so many different branching paths and places you can go where like you can hit a wall and then go to 40 other places and maybe you hit like 15 other walls but you reach like 25 up other ends and like you come back to that first wall or like those past walls and like you kind of get it like it's a very the way that like the hardness of souls meets the like normally like lately bad fluidity of like a lot of open world games makes for a really fun game i think i still don't understand classing but i got a flail and i got a magic stick and i just recently started dual wielding them and now I'm a problem for everyone. You did for a while just want to be every class, but like now you're like a nice like gish for the people who who like play D and D. Wait, I'm a what? Hey, like gish. What's that mean? That's a person who can do magic and melee. I love my flail. A good mechanic to hit things. I love to hit things. But yeah, um, just a really fun game. It's honestly wild. Like you have more hours than me now because you. I'm almost a 50. <laughs> yeah, you're like speeding past me now that you like can play it all the time. I'm not like speeding past you in terms of like 
progress, though. <laughs> I thought you were going to play to one of the little, like, caves and fight one of the little, like, field bosses. And you were going to be like, oh, cool. I played four hours that I beat one field boss. You would be done. But you're, like, learning this game and you know how it works. It's very cool. It's so cool. I, like, I feel so accomplished every time that I actually beat one of the little field bosses. I love the caves and the tunnels and everything now where it's just like the little self-contained thing where like I kill a whole bunch of little enemies and then I go fight the big enemy and I just feel so accomplished and it feels like like I ac- like I, I accomplished something. It's a lot of fun to like watch you play and be like, oh, whoa, you're like figuring out stuff or like the way so many games like do difficulty, like you feel bad if you die, but it's hard, but like it's also like different and like there's knowledge involved. So it's like, oh, I just died to one hit. Better I either not do learn that something or I end up like laughing my ass off. Yeah. Um, which is cool. It was like before we mentioned like Jackass, like, like, like next time we'll like talk about the last Jackass movie. But um, it's just like that. It's like, oh, this is like a fu- this is a game that's like so much in dialogue of you and communal. And like even like the way there's like messages everywhere, but they're like limited messages. There's like a fun language and like rapport that develops like just all throughout the way this like whole game is like made and super fun. Oh, but Jackass related public service announcement. If you have Discovery Plus, there is a Jackass Shark Week crossover episode. Including we weren't sure if there was like next generation like taps or like Mythbuster style stunt two new kids. Kids or if they were just there for that episode. And the freaking Johnny Knoxville is just watching from Zoom. Good for him. Good for him. He's got a fight in WrestleMania, so can't be being Shark Week. Yeah. But speaking of praise be to he. Praise uh, be to he. Let's talk about Righteous Gemstones. Uh, pitch this show. How would you describe it? Well, I mean, the pitch is John Goodman. That's really all the pitch you need. If you need a secondary motivation, the pitch is John Goodman and Walter Gog. Walt. Walt. Why? Why? Walt. <laughs> My pitch was Walton it's another Goggins. HBO Danny McBride show. But I don't know who Danny McBride is, so that doesn't mean anything to me. I know who John Goodman is. And after you said, your boy Walter Goggins, Walton, your Walton boy Goggins. Walton Goggins, your boy Walton Goggins, your boy Walton Goggins several times, I was finally realized, oh, that dude that I don't like from Justified. <laughs> Yeah, Walton Goggins. Um, but you said he's my boy so many times that now it's like fully cemented in my head. This is my boy. I will ride or die for him. Ride and die? Ride or die? Ride, ride or, or die. die. Not ride and die. That's a little like. I will ride and die for him. I will ride and die for you. <laughs> Praise be to he. Yeah, Walton Goggins great. Um, one of the true treasures we have. Um, okay, actual synopsis is John Goodman is the head of one of those crazy, huge tax evasion, evangelical television churches. Yeah. And his fucked up children and their fucked up family and blackmail and murder and Uncle Baby Billy. Yeah. um, This is when I was thinking another comedy in the mold of Eastbound and Down and the vice principal show and stuff was like, okay, I know Danny McBride. Um, he makes very interesting character pieces that are very funny, very ridiculous. And also like surprisingly heartwarming. I didn't expect the surprisingly heartwarming for the, the, the like show about the family who's rich and taking advantage of like 
a bunch of people. Um, but it's really not about them taking advantage of people. It's really mostly about them being shitty to each other. The taking advantage of people is kind of just like implicit. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because that's like my main gripe with the show actually is like I do feel like the characters are a little too endearing for like the grave sin they commit of just like absolute vanity. Like it's like having fun with these characters and poking fun at them. But it's like a weird tension between, hey, this show continues on by kind of half waving away that like um, this horrible crime is being committed and this horrible fraud is going on, you know? But they also actually genuinely love each other and they also actually genuinely believe in God which I was not expecting there's this scene where somebody doesn't know that they're desecrating um, Jesus Jesus, and it's very funny because they realized they were desecrating Jesus and this millionaire rich family actually like cares season one is amazing like I, I need to put some distance between myself and it but eventually, like that season one is something that like you could study as like a masterpiece of a single season. It's so good. Uh, we were a little concerned about starting season two just because of how strong season one was. But season two's been a trip. I guess the point I was trying to make is like I'm very much like in this weird headspace about subtext where I feel like maybe subtext shouldn't exist anymore or like not that it shouldn't exist but like you have to be careful with subtext because of how willing people are to ignore it and like i do like that season two is bringing some of the subtext of how bad people are like the implication of how like how bad they are and like how much of a robbery fraud they are to the forefront more because in season one i was like this is just like a fun drama and they happen to be super rich and like you never want to be incidental that you're making money off of people's religious belief in this like big spectacle, you know? So like, it's very much, um, it's hard. Cause like, I want it to be more explicit to make sure they're making the point, but also it does feel like maybe it's starting to open up and like, I'm paying attention. So I see it, but I'm wondering what responsibility does a show have to make sure you're paying attention versus to make sure it's clear, which is a, a bigger question than right now. And, like, that's a major debate within the church itself. Like, oh, like, when the Protestants, like, broke the altars and destroyed, like, the, like, tapestries. We're like, no, we have to, like, get Jesus back to... Jesus did that, too. True. Um, is it the, the Root of Bocus is the one that, like, I'm thinking of? Where there was, like, this automaton of Jesus on the cross that, like could move and talk and move its eyes. It was like a puppet, basically, and it could bleed sometimes. That was, like, at this church. And, like, the Protestants made a big deal about breaking it because they were like, ha-ha, look. I don't know about that, and I'm going to have <laughs> nightmares about it. But the whole point was that, like, the Protestants were like, hey, we're breaking this artifice, this lie to you. And then the people were like, well, actually, we liked kayfabe. Like, we knew it wasn't real. Okay, but I'm also randomly recently very intrigued by Max, so you can't tell me there's an automaton Jesus that the Protestants destroyed and just gloss over that. Maybe if you're going to get into Max, there are several automaton Jesus that the Protestants destroyed. That's like half oh, of no. the Max genre. Oh, no! Yes. Tune in next 
month for one of my newest obsessions, Max. If you weren't there for a Tabata Jesus's, I'm sorry, but Max is going to be hard oh. on you. Oh, somebody save me. Literally, I don't think you can. I didn't know there was Jesus in Max. Very much Jesus and Max. Do we need to like put the disclaimer that we're not religious, but I love Jesus? Is that important context? Or we're talking is about that culture. Implied? I'm not religious. You are fascinated by religion. I love so. religion. I love Jesus. I, I don't know what to tell you about myself. I am fucked. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about Christianity and religion and Mecca and Mex, depending on what. Mecca and Mex. Oh, no. M E C H A. Why are you doing this? M E C C A. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. I don't want this interest. Take it back. Okay. I just need to have a second. A big refrain when talking about mechs is, and by this, like, I'm more talking about, like, just the general, any size, any scale, real robot, super robot, whatever. Um, we could have made them look like anything, but we made them look like us. There is a direct relationship to the human body and the idea of creating something in your image that, that why does this have eyes? Why does this have a head? Why does this have a chest? Why am I in the chest, in the groin, in the head, in the womb of this? That is pretty easily mapped to the way that we talk about like things like being made the image of like a god, that kind of stuff. Like, and like, I'm sure also like when you like get into like specific like Shinto and like Buddhist stuff, there's like even like more connection going on there, but we could have made them look like anything and we could have, we made them look like us. That's a question you could ask God. Why didn't you ever put Max in this context before? Cause you could have bought me into this so much faster. I wanted you to want to look at it. I hate you. (laughs) I wasn't like, oh, you have to like it. I was just, oh. So, yeah. Um, Escaflote is like Howl's Moving Castle. It's like mechs. It's like Gundam. We'll get to it. Um, that's probably the first one. I think Gundam might just be Oh, on is the that docket. what we're watching next? Is that the one that we just watched the trailer for? And I'm so excited. The yeah, tarot cards. It's and like the a tarot portal. Girl. Um, I think you might find a lot in Gundam. But, like, you, like, shirk off sci-fi because you're, like, world building and lore. But it's fun. Okay, but now I'm playing fucking Souls games. You know that they're known for making mech games, right? No. I don't, I'm not listening to Waypoint anymore. Because they're going to make you like mechs? They're ruining my life. <laughs> ruining your life, okay. Um, yeah. So, turns out um, mechs, real ones. But for now, finally, <laughs> let's talk about our subjects. Oh fuck! <laughs> this is this is gonna need an explicit attack. I don't even know how many times I've said fuck at this point. But yeah, so that was a long tangent uh, between the alcohol and just other tangents that are gonna come up in these episodes, though. Yeah, but the whole point I was making was, hey, Mex religion. There's definitely something there. Uh, like one of the most popular shows of the. General mech mecha genre is Neon Genesis Evangelion. Right, but I thought you said I didn't have to do that. You don't have to do Evangelion, but if you want to get into uh, Christian imagery, 
Let's do that. Fuck me. I always want to get into Christian imagery. All right. Uh, Sailor Moon, the original anime episode. I gotta go back to school. Back to school. Back to school. Show my dad that I'm not a fool. Uh, have you seen that movie? No, it does whatever Spider Pig does. Billy Madison is a movie. Also- you have asked me so many times if I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> like you ask me if I've ever seen this movie like once a week. Here's the thing. Billy Madison movie where like it's such a classic that like I don't know if I'd think it was funny, but I'd laugh at every joke. That makes sense. Okay, do you want to tell me about season one, episode 43, Usagi abandoned the falling out of the Sailor Guardians? Okay. Yes, I do. This is the episode that starts with Sailor Moon in conflict with the other Sailor Guardians. It's some weird training question mark, whatever. Um, but they're fighting her. The opening is her saying that she hates them and wants to join the Dark Kingdom. And then we see this ninja, Ban Ban, not Ban Ban. <laughs> what is what is her whole name? Oniwa Bandina. Oniwa Bandina. Okay. I only uh. wrote that once and then I wrote Ban Ban the rest of the time. <laughs> For some reason in the dub, her vocal, a lot of characters have a vocal tick in their Japanese dialogue where it's like oh like a like character might say like I'm a cat character and I say Neko or like Nyan at the end of my speech it's like a constant refrain like it's almost like the joke people make about like saying over on walkie talkies or like are when they're a pirate but it's like just the way people talk where it's like at the start or end of everything if that makes sense here she does it and it's translated over to the English version which is a little weird but um She's just band band, which is kind of like pounding, heart pounding, beat it. It's one of those things like I've seen before. There's like a c- couple characters in like Toku that have like that kind of thing going on. But I never super know like a lot of the what are the two repeating alliteration things. Um, Yeah, she's watching. She's like your typical 90s horny ninja. She has like the like a leotard arm, but like a little skirt. And she's like, oh, what's going on? There's weird readings. This is the stuff of Christian the girls fighting. Um, Ami calls Usagi a stupid girl. <laughs> yeah. And like, we don't know why they're fighting. It's like the last episode we saw was what? Like, were they skiing again or something else? No, it was something much more plot relevant, but I don't remember what it was. I have no way of knowing this. Um, episodes, not enemies. Not selling one uh, enemy. Some of these episodes were my enemies. Episode 40, what? Two. Sailor Moon is his past, but not goes tragic love. The Titanic. Oh, it was the fucking fuck, fuck, Jack the Ripper. Girlfriend, boyfriend. Yeah, his horses. horses planes, yeah. So yeah, um, last time the Titanic sailed away and Avi had to say goodbye to her Interpol right. sister lover. But yeah, um, we don't know why they're fighting. And Ban Ban's trying to, like, stir shit up, I guess. Like, attacks, like, Naru and her mom. And Naru's like, oh, I'm in my pajamas. Um. Oh, boy, I'm in my pajamas. I hope Netflix comes over and looks at my naked body. Stop. I hate it. I'm 14 years old. This is anime. I hate it. They were in love. It was not creepy. They were supposed to go get chocolate parfaits. Netflix used to send me DVDs, but not anymore. Stop it. <laughs> I'm Molly. I hate you. 
Uh, Molly has like a Brooklyn accent in the original. Naru's dub. name is Molly in the <laughs> dub. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, oh boy, stop! She's not Mickey Mouse. No, look, I'm doing like Toad when you select Toad I, in Mario uh, Two. Oh boy, better throw this radish at this fucking shy guy. Uh, but no, um, so do the frog. Do the frog, Michigan J Frog. Wackity schmackity do I'm dancing, I'm singing, and I'm dancing, I'm singing, and oh, 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 the reporters here better die again. Like that? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Welcome. Um, when the Sailor Scouts show up to save Naru, uh, the ninja turns into a cowboy paparazzi lady and takes pictures of them instead. I want her bell bottoms. Her bell bottoms have stars on them and they're gorgeous. Cowboy motif shows up a lot in Japanese media and it seems to be just opposed to ninja motif a lot. And I don't know what that is about. <laughs> um, but then we see um, questions being asked like, oh, why are they fighting? And this reporter is trying to get information and has all these scoops. Like, how did this reporter be so young and have so many killer scoops? What's her? power or whatever the, the, the team tracks a reporter um after they train and there's a point where like they're training and ray kicks usagi but there's hate in the kick and she's like oh my butt in the butt she kicks her in the butt it's a lot of ray and usagi you kicked my butt so hard now there's a crack in it <laughs> usagi is very dumb ami's bullying of usagi also includes what's the square root of two <laughs> Yeah. Usagi, I think, probably likes to be bullied a little bit. Absolutely. I'm not going to let you finish that thought. Um, I will finish that thought later on. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we see that um, the plan is to fake defect to the Dark Age to save Tuxedo Mask, uh, including giving the letter to the reporter monster. Usagi does that's from Sailor Moon. It's on Sailor Moon, the special paper. And she, when asked why, she says, oh, I have a reliable oh, I have a reliable face for letters. Come see me at the graveyard. Um, but Kunzite shows up and they torture Sailor Moon to make the other girls come out. After some deliberation, they're like, no, like, let her choke some more. It's okay. Just whip her out her neck. The girls do come out, but Ray is the one who does after, like, stopping the rest from coming out and they all fight um and then usagi has the line i wanted my plan to blossom like a beautiful flower not make me look like a blooming idiot and then they win the fight and they kill ban ban um and we get a next time on that is very anti alley um that says if you want a silly episode this will be shocking to you you kind of had nothing to say at the end of the last episode anything else like stick out to you from 43 uh, I honestly like there were so many emotions in the second episodes of both shows that it's hard to focus on the first episodes well to be fair both those episodes were your episodes that's good yeah it's funny how that worked out that way uh episode 44 Usagi's Awakening a message from the distant past did we read the title of to 43 or not? Yes, I did. So we start off with the group shot in the opening 
with all of them, all of the girls saying, we'll punish you. And with Usagi holding Luna in her arms. So I, between that and the teaser from last time, I was on edge. I was on edge. It, we get right into it. There's no lead up. Usagi's asleep in bed. Luna comes racing into her. And no, drifting. Her, drifting into her windows with her eyes glowing super scary and says Artemis and Minako finally found the entrance to the Dark Kingdom. Which is a physical place, I guess. Which is like, the entrance is like in a restaurant. Also in the Antarctic at a later point. <laughs> so the girls all go down. They go one way. The two cats jump into a smaller hole. The girls get attacked by Kunzite. There, he says something in long lines of the not being ready to take them on the grand tour, but there's a fun place I'd like to take you to instead. He's gotten quippier recently. I wrote he's quippy due to lack of hashtag boy pussy. Not, not hashtag parentheses <laughs> boy pussy. That's a different thing. Uh, but yes. Where are they sent? They are sent to the multidimensional chaos world. Which he explains could be dinosaurs in Africa, it could be the bubonic plague in medieval Europe. Uh, where they're actually sent is that they fall through space. The silver crystal helps. Yep. The, the silver crystal falls through space with them. So they end up being teleported into a Evergill. How do you say those words? Evergoal. An Evergoal. They get brought to the ruins, I think, in modern of day of the Moon Kingdom. The Silver Millennium is such a cool fucking thing to say. So the Silver Millennium is like the capital city of the moon. I thought the Silver Millennium was the era of the Moon Kingdom. I think it's also the place, though. Well, to be fair, they do pull a fucking like DBZ, like a bridge serenity <laughs> thing where it's like, oh, Here's the castle of Serenity. I'm Queen Serenity. You're Princess Serenity. Yes. So we see the incarnation (laughs) of the moon goddess Selene, who is Queen Serenity, who is the ruler of Silver Millennium, who is Usagi's, or not Usagi's mom, but Sailor Moon's past life, Princess Serenity's mom, now in the form of a little angel fairy. In the abridged Dragon Ball Z... (laughs) There is a point where one of the Saiyans comes to King Vegeta and says, Frieza plans t- to destroy Vegeta. And King Vegeta says, The planet, my son, or myself. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, and the answer is all of them. All of them. Sire. So, Queen Serenity explains that. They used to be long-living beings born on the moon. The silver crystal is handed down through the royal family. It was their duty to watch over Earth and help it advance. And she tells Usagi that she needs to remember her past as the moon princess Serenity. So, flashbacks. Came to my mom or myself. Or Prince Endymion. Mm-hmm. So, flashbacks. Flashbacks. It is the night of a big party in the castle. There are hidden Mickey fireworks. Prince Everyone is dressed like tuxedo mask. Prince Endymion arrives late to the party, explains to Usagi, Princess Serenity, explains to Princess Serenity that many of his people have been brainwashed by a woman named Beryl who's possessed by an evil energy named Metalia. 
who's convinced the humans that to live longer lives, they have to take over the moon. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to her in the bushes while she's on the balcony, basically. The guards see him and he runs off and says he'll be back later and we'll see her at the party. Meanwhile, Luna and Artemis end up in the Arctic. Because they're in the present time trying to find the madness dimension where the girls went. The multidimensional chaos world. Oh, I'm sorry. Chaos. <laughs> we also played the demo for the new Final Fantasy game. It's free. It's 15 minutes, 15 hours. I'm not sure which one. Whichever comes first, I Hard guess. Hard to say. Hard to say. It might actually not be 15 minutes. We just played. We just were told to play it for 15 minutes to hear the Frank Sinatra bit. But regardless. Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. So at the party, Princess Serenity and Prince and Demi and dance. He's wearing his tuxedo mask mask. Because that's like the dress code for the party. And that's like the origin Nobody of this. Nobody else is wearing a mask. All the dudes at that party are wearing masks like that. But he's wearing the tuxedo True. Um, he explains to her that she, he's wearing the mask because a bitter war is about to go under get underway between his people on Earth and her people on the moon. And he's going to be her enemy. So it wouldn't be good for either of them if people knew he was at the party. Mm-hmm. Explains to her that Metallia is an evil energy. Beryl is a sorceress who's using Metallia to start a war between Earth and the Moon. Unless he does something, the Moon Kingdom will be destroyed. He has to eliminate Metallia, but he needs Princess Serenity's help. He holds her close. She is so little. His hand is so big. He tells her that he needs her help and that he loves her. She says she loves him. And they kiss as she cries. And I cry. And Metallia energy and the people of Earth attack. Um, past Luna and Artemis run through the party saying that they're under attack. Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Jupiter are all there and they go to like defend the party. But they're all still in their modern day Sailor Guardian outfits. Which is weird. Which I wouldn't have assumed was their like real outfits, but okay. We also see the four kings Wait, of heaven. Yep, Beryl takes over all four of her boys are there. Kunzite laughs evilly. Metallia looms over it all. Beryl immediately goes after Serenity. Say goodbye to your pretty face. Say goodbye to your pretty face. She, he go, she goes to attack her, but Endymion throws a rose. And Beryl wants to marry him. Yeah, he says that he won't let her lay a hand on the princess. Beryl asks what she means to her, means to him, and tells him that he needs to just marry her. And then he get to rule both Earth and the moon, but if he doesn't shut up, she's going to kill both of them. Metallia tornadoes up in Demian. He tells Serenity to stay back, but she jumps up to reach for him, and Metallia strikes them both down. Queen Serenity yells. Luna cries. Serenity and Endymion's <laughs> lifeless bodies float. Serenity's tears keep falling from her dead body. Queen Serenity has the moonstick. Luna tells her no. If she releases the power of the moonstick, then she's going to die. But she says her life doesn't matter. Releases all the energy. Natalia and Beryl and the boys all energy disintegrate. <laughs> Meanwhile, Luna and Artemis are still in the Arctic. They yes. find the entrance portal, but Kunzite finds them. And they get beat up. But in the end, the sailor scouts fight and they're going to fight him. Oh, we're not there yet? No. First, we still have one more flashback. Of Queen Serenity giving Luna and Artemis the silver crystal in the moonstick, explaining that only those with royal blood can use the moonstick. The silver crystal, when it's yielded by pure of heart, is like this ultimate grid power. But if it's yielded by bad, that's bad. 
She sends the silver crystal out to Serenity and the Sailor Scout's future reincarnations. The girls in Endymion are in like resurrection Pokeballs floating through space. Mm-hmm. And Artemis and Luna are sleeping in test tubes. And she says, this is my final wish for the girls to live in peace and happiness. And then she dies. But we like pan out and she's like laying sprawled out on a crystal cross. A lot of Jesus here because he's a friend of hers, Everyone. I guess. Of writers around the world. Um, but worth noting that a big motif in a lot of space bound or sci-fi fiction, a big motif from the 60s on in Japanese like media that depicts space is the idea that space is kind of like a place for children or a place of rebirth or like renewal for humanity and like this kind of like bubbling in space. I'm thinking of like a lot of different stuff like just I'm thinking of stuff like um I was thinking of you too. Space Runaway Idion. Yeah. So it's like a major motif of like a lot of Japanese media. Like that has to, to do with space in any capacity. like this weird cosmic let's bubble Mewtwo rebirth thing. But yeah. Um, and there and the cats are in test for some reason because I guess they're not being reborn. They're just being they were they said they were like frozen sleep. Okay. So I guess they're like tired. Cyrogenically, cryogenically frozen. Um, Kyrie Jennerly frozen. <laughs> Kyrie Jenner is my favorite Kid Noir's character. The girls are sent back to the tunnel, and now they all remember what happened to them. Usagi cuddles the moonstick and thinks her mother. Kunzite blasts the cats, and Usagi gets mad and stops him, and all the girls are ready to fight Kunzite. And he tells them, don't be condescending to me, you presumptuous dress-up dolls. Um, Kunzite sends out some energy blasts at Sailor Moon. The captions are literally attacking Roar, attacking Growl. And the daggers that he throws shred the... Like, his energy daggers shred all of the Sailor Guardian's outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... <laughs> Sailor Moon goes to Moon Healing Escalation Kunzite. He says, I am Kunze, a proud member of the Dark Kingdom's four kings of heaven. You can't def- make me yell out refresh ever. Um, so he th- tries to attack her with his dagger again, and she bounces it back to him. Oh, to be defeated by my own weapon. Oh, Zoizite, help me to the world where your soul is in limbo. I'm coming, my love. And orbs out of existence. So hopefully they are together in the afterlife. I really think that there is like a real weight that has to be like atoned for or like given back to the community for the people who made Zoisite a woman in the original dub because holy shit this should be a big pop culture pairing a big conversation and like a big touchstone for people should be a foundational queer relationship right like no offense like Willow and Tara but fuck them these are so much better Like, Zoysite and Kunzite communicate, they're playful, they roleplay, they are evil. We Like, if you were, like, on the internet... They stay on the same side at all times. 
yeah, <laughs> literally the the picture of them holding hands in the picture frame that's like a crystal has no heat at all of if soy starts a woman has so much it's so awesome if they're gay <laughs> like I think that this should have been like a big this should have been like up there with like I'm trying to think of another popular gay relationship that's like super foundational is it like Achilles and Patroclus <laughs> I don't do people talk about that like really though the book talked us okay but like I'm talking like 2002 you're on the message boards you would have talked about like I wasn't on message boards in 2002 I was in second <laughs> grade okay but I'm saying like if this dub had been out that was accurate and gay people would have been having those conversations when internet anime culture was born instead of just like man Naruto and Sasuke sure look like they want to fucking bum or whatever they would say because they're British we the also forms. watched the first episode of Orin High School Hopes Club <laughs> That's pro- okay. F- fair. Never mind. You're correct. <laughs> um, true. You shot me through the heart there, but still, and like, you're to blame. People would have been like, "Oh, Willow and Tara. Oh, like Zoisite and Kudzite. Should have been. Should have been. And then, like, I know there's like some debate over it in the films. Like, some versions they aren't dating. It's like, no, they're dating. Shut up. Um. So the episode ends with. Luna explaining that the entrance is in the D point of the Arctic Circle. They have to go there now before the solar flares get worse. We get the next time on, and then la- next episode's title is Death of the Sailor Guardians, the tragic final battle. So I am stressed and excited. Let's fucking go. Let's go dude so you got all my stress to look forward to next time but for now do you want to tell me about episode 21 of the live action what did you do to ami so next week's episode of the show 123 um we look at jetman and build and like so jetman has like it's two episodes are called the new warriors debut and launch super robot that and the cast members die those kind of like names or episodes are the best they're staples of anime they're staples of toku just these like fucked up like let's just say what's gonna happen in the episode title let's like fuck spoilers the episode title is i appreciate it so much what was it dragon ball we were watching where the episode titles where that somebody dies yeah i like i need that every show should tell me in the title who dies in this episode. Krillin dies? Another one bites the dust. Androids. <laughs> but no, like, I love that, like, staple of just, like, let's do this title. It's like, we don't fucking care. We're, we're going to talk about it. Like, this is like, this is the episode where, like, you know, new warriors, super robot, super saiyan 2. It's great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so. We are now live action. Isn't it grand? It's really not. Uh, episode 21. What did you do to Ami? So Ami is Norded. That's our first note, both of us. We both came to this independently. Um, and Norded is a, yes, a state please. of being. You explain. Okay. So y- you've heard of bimbification. 
Um, I have to leave. So in the Kingdom Hearts series, there's a character named Xenonort that can like possess people with part of his soul, make them have yellow eyes and be evil and have a weird name. Um, it's basically just like to make evil, to make a villain. Um, if you don't know about vivification, instead of evil, imagine just like really specific fun in ways that your mom can tell you about if you don't know. Um, but <laughs> you weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> but no, so for evil or for pleasure, people can choose to engage with a certain kind of lifestyle change. And that's what happens to Abby. Um, <laughs> by Kunzai. Um, that was covered in the last couple episodes. Um, it was great. It was like, oh no, she's like all alone and they're not talking to her. She wants to connect with them, but they're not really doing it. And then Kunzai is like, I'm gonna make you my ah, rose petals. Yep. <laughs> Can you tell me what you're thinking of right now? I, no thoughts. Just I bimbo, no thoughts. I bimbo, no thoughts. Um, so then we see uh, that um, Makoto is like trying to track people down. Be like, what's going on? Like, where is everybody? Um, and like goes to find like Usagi, who's like missing school because she's so like lovesick and so heartbroken. And like Usagi's mom comes to the door in her cornrows, which I don't know what is going on for corner situation because like she had like normal Japanese like. I'm a person who does my hair like my hair type hair. But now she has corners. <laughs> and um, then she says, oh, do you want to come in? Have, have you had breakfast? I made an omelet. I've never made an omelet before, which is a lie. It's a lie. She makes omelets for Usagi like almost every day. They got a huge fight about it because she made her. She made Usagi an omelet that didn't have cheese, which I still firmly believe that it's not an omelet if it doesn't have cheese. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And Usagi was so upset about it that she ran away from home. So this is clearly not the first time that she's ever made an omelet. So I don't know if this is, like, a really glaring writing error. (laughs) You're way overthinking this. If somehow, like, I don't know. But it doesn't make sense for Usagi's mom to lie to Mako. About making omelets. Okay. Here's the thing. You're super overthinking this. It makes perfect sense for her to lie. She's like, oh, you're Usagi's friend. I want you to have a good omelet or I want praise. I'm just going to say, hey, I did this for the first time. It's like a like it's exactly the kind of thing moms do where they're like, I've made this thing for the first time. Do you want it? They've made it a hundred times. They know it's good. I think it's a continuity issue. It is not a continuity issue. I'm sorry, but if let you- us know. Tweet us. Let us know your thoughts. Is this a continuity issue? Um, put some eggs in the chat if you think it's uh just the mom wanting to get praise for making good omelets. Yep, emoji eggs for praise and emoji cheese for continuity issue. Yes. Um. Thank you. And Engagement. then um, put a B in the chat for bimbo with your egg or cheese, and an edit the chat for Dort. And we'll know which side you're on. <laughs> Finally. You have to uh, make a poll. On Friday. Yeah. You have to tweet a poll. 
Okay. Okay. Of of what? <laughs> Egg, nort, bimbo, and continuity, continuity error. Yes, with no with no context. <laughs> Just tweet on the common rider Twitter uh, with a poll with those three choices, and we'll see who wins. Okay. Um. Fucking last time, I got bimbofied. I was like, "Praise be to he." <laughs> um. But no. Um. So. <laughs> We see that Makoto and Member talked as he was sixteen about. We don't super know if we saw this conversation. It feels like we didn't. Like we, I don't think we did. It feels like we saw them look at each other, and then we're seeing a flashback to when they talked. Right? Yeah, I think so. She punches him and says, "Like, get away from her, you scrum scum, you chum bucket." I'm pretty sure in the first time we see the scene, she says "scum," and then later, like the subtitles say "scum." And then later, when Mamru's thinking about it, the subtitles say scrum. These are fan subs, so it's a whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, but she's like all worried. Like, oh, I don't want to be telling Kusagi, but also I don't want to go near all stuff. Um, then we see her go to Ami's house, who is also homesick. And like she like touches the doorknob and it's open. She's like, oh, that's weird. She goes to their like mudroom, like entryway. And it's like weird and what is peak architecture weirdness in Toku in 2004 in Japan um, but she sees that Ami is on top of her covers fully clothed like shaking or like asleep or sick which is like oh something's wrong and she like makes her a bunch of food like kiwis and soup and sticky rice and stuff and like makes her eat it and then Ami's like oh this is great my mom's in Europe let's go to music park right now um, and it's going fine for a minute, except for like the super low quality, like pre GoPro camera they have and all this stuff. And there's like, um, this whole like, um, roller coaster that's like too much f- for Makoto and, not, and like they're filmed through the whole park. And then Matoki shows up, who's he's taking a walk with his turtle. Um, because it's like a local amusement park, which is like a thing in Japan. Like they'll have like amusement parks that are like just kind of like local things, if that makes sense. Like it's not outside of the realm of reason that you might just like walk through it like it's a park or like it's with a, your turtle. Yeah, I'm sure that it's like not like you're paying 50 bucks to get in. Like it might be like, oh, I have a pass. So I walk my turtle through here sometimes. Sometimes I go for the rides. It like might be like ticket based where it's like, oh, you can walk through, but if you want to get on a ride, it costs tickets. So like people will like walk through and be like, oh, we're super old, huh? Here's a newspaper. Look at this ride. And then like it they're yeah, the younger people might go on the rides, you know? But no, um so Matoki is like, hey, what's up? I don't know if he thanks you for the scarf here, just like says it's the only thing I got, but no, it's a gift. That's when they're in the gift. car. Okay. But so Makoto's watching Avi on the carousel like a proud taller girlfriend and then as she talks to Matoki that's when Avi comes back around passed out. You're forgetting an important part. Yes. They go on a like one of those like tubing river raft rides and get all wet. So Makoto has wet bangs now. Mm -hmm. And when she is watching Ami on 
the carousel before Matoki shows up. Ami like smiles at her and does like an evil little nose crinkle. Yes. Those are important details. They are. They're p- part of the bibification process. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I wrote passes out on the arousal, but that's because my C key is a little messy. <laughs> Uh, it's on the carousel. That's because your keyboard is being bimbified. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm kind of mashing like those like um split keyboards, but also like those keypads that are boobs. They're just like big boobs. I have to like type on. They're like, oh no! Please stop! I just want to like like have my word count. Why do I have to fondle you, computer? This is the only thing <laughs> I'm gonna be able to think about on Saturday when they're building Rob's split keyboard <laughs> on stream. <laughs> They're fucking bibbifying Rob's <laughs> keyboard on stream. Yeah. Uh, Waypoint Radio, our friends. Um, but no. Um, our parasocial friends who don't know we exist. They might know I exist. I hope so. They, You deserve that. I've sent them some stuff. But like, hey, what's up? What about this? Oh, right. You're James from. <coughs> Fuck off. Don't dox me. Use my government. <laughs> my government city that I live in. Oh, yeah. I guess bleep that out. That's oh, fine. There's lots of me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds different uh, but no um, so they drive in the car which is like Matoki's like green turtle filled van and I or like mini coop I guess and like they go to the hospital and like Makoto's like can I tell people or not and then like has more conversation with like Matoki about like the scarf she gave him and that kind of stuff and it's nice and like he goes to leave to go to work and like he's haggard he has a bunch of like treats in his pocket for her and be like here's some Nice butter biscuits for while you wait for your friend in the hospital. So many treats. Yeah, he's super charming in this show. Um, it's great. And then um, we also see that Shingo brings Kusagi a steam bun, and she thinks about tuxedo mask. Or no, she thinks about Mamoru and sharing the bun of him. And then we see Mamoru like throwing off his tuxedo mask costume but he throws it off artfully so like the mask falls onto it last there is just a pile of tuxedo mask and mamaru sitting on the couch yes and then he's like in a month i go abroad to college at stanford but it's saintford so i'm very stressed about this rapidly increasing timeline that we're suddenly being thrust into where we have one month left until Monaco dies and Mamoru goes to college. So a month from now is like the end of the second core, which is like the midpoint of these shows, like episode 26, 25, 27. We're just like, okay, now Monaco has to die. Do you have to go to college? We'll figure out what happens next time on Sailor Moon. <laughs> but yeah, um, people die. People go to college. It, it happens all the time. Um, you know what I think? I think that Usagi should have three reincarnated different boyfriends I have to pick. And we can't talk about my feelings about reincarnated boyfriends. Here's Mamoru. We don't have time for this. Here's Jesse. Here's Logan. Uh, there's a lot of drama with the Kings of Heaven, but it's not really important. Because uh, uh, we see the black roses in, in Abby's room is a nurse is like passed out. And she also like walks and and like knocks into some two guys then fights with her powers it's like oh no but she goes to kunzite um and then makoto's listening to the wind question mark and finds her in this abandoned theater and it's like 
got like a bunch of like toku design and that has like a bunch of like pillars just freestanding and a bunch of like movie theater like red carpet velvet ropes and then it also has like this wild ceiling it was like a jagged metallic chessboard yeah it was like half white half like mirror yeah it was wild it between that and the shots that we get of the Dark Kingdom, I was very much just like, is every set in Toku a Souls dungeon? Which I'm okay with. Yeah, honestly. Um, but Jupiter fights Kunzai. It's not going great. The other scouts show up, um, Usagi and Ray, but then that's when we see Abi transforms and she says, Dark power transform and describe her transformation slash costume. She has dark power makeup. She gets like this giant tool boob butterfly over her chest. She gets all these evil accessories. She has like an evil black Apple watch and a black tiara and a giant black tool bow over her belt and a sassy finger wave. And then we see in the next time on that she has a sword. She has like dark eyeshadow on that makes her pretty hot. She looks like, like if you imagined the transformation from Caitlyn to Killer Frost in the Flash happening to Ami, that's exactly what she looks like. That's fair. Um, it just looks good. I don't know how she got so much hotter. Honestly, like confidence. She was super cute, like probably the cutest of the Guardians by like my estimation. But like, she just I don't know. Ray's really cute. It's definitely like the whole like Dark Willow factor, right? Yes, absolutely. I guess that was probably a better example. Yeah, because like um, when Willow's good, she doesn't know what bi means. When she's evil, she knows what bi means. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of bimification. No. Um so yeah, that's leads us to next time. Episode 22, Ami becomes an enemy. This it took us probably 20 minutes to get through the first 5 minutes of this episode. Yeah. We had to pause a lot. I cried multiple times. It was it was a rough it was a rough time. It was a wild ride. Ami makes an icicle sword. She's super confident. I totally love this for her, besides the part where she's evil and fighting with her friends. That sounds like a fucking shit post, but yeah, that is true. <laughs> she attacks them, and Mako gets burn holes in her gloves. That was rough. Gloves are extremely rough in this episode. Gloves hurt my feelings in this episode. She resists being refreshed. Usagi tries to use the moonstick to get Ami back to normal, but she breaks the moonstick's energy. Kunzite says that's because Sailor Mercury has received her powers from Satan, him- Satan himself. So, there's a reason Christianity is on her mind today. I have some questions. Do you want to get into this now, or is there a point later where you think you want to get into it? This is the point. This is definitely the point. My question to you is how does... Was about Satan, how Satan is portrayed in Japanese media. So... That leads you into your explanation of Br'er Rabbit. So Satan's like a bad guy. He's like a top of the card. Like, oh, like people know Satan. Like he's like 
you'll hear like some stuff like oh like devils and oh this devil and this demon but like there's it understand like oh satan's a big one but like it's also like at one point i said like they have goths but they don't have christians which isn't true they have like christianity in japan but what you need to understand is that japan is a nation that like over the past 200 or so years um has been trying to modernize and that meant westernize in a lot of ways and like have weird voluntary and often involuntary influences from like a lot of american and like other culture so like there's this weird kind of like why do why do businessmen in, in japan wear business suits that's not a japanese style why are there proportionally a lot of christian churches in the major metropolitan areas that's because it was just the thing of the culture that they were intertwined with uh, willingly or not. And like, I'm not like a expert on Japanese culture or Japan and religion, but Christianity is not a majority of religion. In fact, it's a vast minority religion. Um, I think like one or 2%, like very low. Um, but it just has a like cultural foothold where it's like, Oh, this is like the religion of the peeps that we've, willingly or unwillingly been very connected to this is like a majority like it's like learning english is learning the basics of christianity it's like just like something that's like culturally there and like what i said where you stop me and we're like oh the characters of jesus and satan and like christianity is like splash mountain is like the conceit of that ride and like the whole like song of the self stuff is like like these are like legendary characters from this place and like you should know them. That's kind of how like Christian figures fit into Japan. Like it's like a Paul Bunyan situation almost, where it's like, oh, like it's just like a notable story or tale. It's not like America is a culture that's very Christian, and there's are a lot of like feelings about heaven and hell and Christ and God and Satan that are part of being American. That like even if you don't believe or like aren't living that way, you still get that just culturally. Right. That's just art in Japan. So it's like, Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, it's Ronald McDonald. Oh, it's like Santa. It's like that kind of thing. It's like not a figure the same way. Okay. So my follow-up question to that was like, conversely to how in America, we do have that cultural aspect of Christianity that's like ingrained in us and therefore plays out in media are there like explicitly traditional religion religious imagery and stuff used in Japan the way that we use Christianity in western media so like is there like a counterpart to like how being Catholic was such a huge part of Booth's character and bones or is there like a counterpart to the exorcist or more importantly is there a counterpart to righteous gemstones i mean i'm no expert in this so i the best i could say is yes and no in that i feel like there's a connection to the history of japan and the religion of japan there's not that continuity in a lot of places around the world unless you're like live in like certain places like in the middle east like 
you don't have that connection. So I feel like it's like you hear people talk about like, oh, here's Amaterasu and here's this and here's like this connection to the birth of the country and the myths that make it like it's almost like a Greek god kind of thing, but also not at all. So it's like very much like they just don't have the same their stories. People know their things. They understand their recurring characters but i don't know if they're given the same amount of like reverence or like reality no like i could super be wrong like i've seen like so many animes and games and like the way i've talked to people has been like oh and like here's us talking about like this god of the sun and what they did and all this stuff but also like nowhere near the amount of like sacredity of like what somebody working in America might have for like a Christ or like, no, that makes sense. but also super do want to say not my expertise at all. If anybody has any information they'd like to share, please share. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so sailor Mercury is a replacement for Zoysite. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> okay. Don't spoil it. So sailor Mercury. No, I can't stop laughing. First, Sailor Mercury tries to attack the girls, is doing a pretty good job, is ready to like end it. And Kunzai swipes in and says, I think we've had enough fun for today, and takes her away. So, in the Dark Kingdom, Kunzai and Ami, dark, evil Sailor Mercury, go meet up with Queen Beryl. Queen Beryl somehow doesn't see this as a positive and doesn't get what she's going to get out of. Them having a sailor scout on their side, which I think is pretty obvious. Like, that should be a good thing. Um, and Kunzai's explanation is that Zoysite hasn't even been awakened yet. Without one of my companion four generals, I feel sad. So Beryl says, this is your, this girl is your replacement for Zoysite. And Ami says, I have been reborn, but I don't intend to submit to anyone. And heel turns struts away. Kunzite sarcastically bows, revealing Jadeite lurking in the corner. This was a great scene. Everybody is very emotionally engaged in this show. And this is Toku to me. I love Toku when it's nice big drama and it's all interpersonal and fucked up. And then sometimes they fight. Um, we see like the other Sailor Scouts like looking at the stuff that was like knitted by Abby and thinking about what they could have done better. My favorite is Makoto has a special glass table where there's an orb of light underneath it to just really show the camera what is on the table properly. And during this, a sad version of the opening theme song is playing, which is somehow so much worse than the sad theme in the anime. Like, I think it must be because it's like, I don't even know. I guess it's poppier. I guess the opening theme is poppier in the live action. So making it sad just seems like, so much more opposite yeah but it got to me good and it must have gotten to right because she's just laying on the floor ray's doing very good here meanwhile yeah let's talk about this scene okay so it's time for dinner um they're in the middle of this messed up 2004-2005 apartment that rich boy mamaru has he has some nice candles that are Glasses of ice water with Jolly Ranchers at them. That We don't know how those are candles, but hey. They seem very safe, I guess. If, if it falls down, it's going to like 
board is out, I guess. And my brain literally did not process them as candles. This is not important, though, because the scene is important. They're Can I made burgers for dinner? Hamburger steak. It, there's not as much beef in Japan. So, she tells, yeah. She tells Mamoru that she started taking cooking classes because you can't start too early, which I'm assuming too early for being a married woman, too early for being a housewife. He's out of it. She says, if you can't remember the past, are you sure you want to keep your promise to get married and then go study abroad? Which is such a great, like, we don't have time to establish this. We just got to say it. Do you regret the promise you made to my father? I fucking love Hitta here. She's so good at just being this fucking exposition dump. Like, she hey, has remember? eyebrows. She does have, like, the eyebrows you have when you're about to get cheated on. Like, in fiction, there are certain characters that, like, have the haircut, the eyebrows, the dress. We're like, oh, man, I'm so glad that we love each other forever. Oh, you're good, but oh, you just cheated on me. There's a wild transition to Mamoru staring silently in response. So Hina says, I knew it. And he says, no, I'm going to keep the promise that I made to your father. Which is extremely not, no, I love you. No, I want to get married. <laughs> I am going to keep the promise that I made to your father. No, I love the idea of your father being happy. <laughs> uh, so this brought up many questions about... The timeline of what Mamoru does and does not remember. Okay. So let's go through this accurately, okay? Yes. Yeah, so you please try to explain it to me again because I'm still lost. And Dibion was born in the ancient times, in the fairy tale days. Um, in the Silver Millennium. In Silver Millennium. Except for not because he was born on Earth. He lives to be about... Um, about the age that Mamoru is now. Before he dies and is going to be regarded. We're assuming that this is the same between live action and the anime. That there was a timeline. They were born. We've been told this. We're assuming it's similar. Where they were uh, young adults to teens. And they died and were reborn in this timeline. Okay? Yes. So, so far. That's clear. Then Mamoru Shiba is he is the recardation of Endymion, but he's his own person. He lives to be like seven, eight. His parents die. Um, it's very sad. He is betrothed to the girl of the family that were his parents' friends and also that took him in. Now, at some point, he got amnesia. We think it's after his parents died and he made this betrothal stuff, and it's, re it's rather recent. Because if he had... And me just as he's seven. That's like 10 years of amnesia. Like, it's not like a, it's not a big deal, but it's like kind of like you've probably developed some coping mechanisms or some sense of self, if that makes sense. Is that fair to say? Is that super rude to amnesiacs? I have no idea. I do not understand the timeline. I need so much more information. My feeling is Endibian was 17 when he died. Mamoru was 17 when he got amnesia and the powers of Endibion slash the uh, mixed up memories and has to sort out who who's he and what he likes and all this stuff. And like, I think it's just they're two separate people. They're the same person. Relatively recently, he lost all of his memories of this life, gained some of his past life memories. So, yeah, I guess. I think the Dark Kingdom came back, his powers came back, but messed up his memories, and he, like, 
has this huge uh, fused mass of his own memories and Endymion's memories that are like slowly coming back to him. But everything that didn't happen after that trauma of power, he doesn't remember. I think that's what makes the most sense out of everything we discussed of possibilities. But I I really need the show to tell me. It's not going to tell you. Anyway. Ami is the most popular girl in school now and has turned everybody against Usagi. She tells Usagi she couldn't just skip school, so she brainwashed everybody. Which is such... This is writing. This is, hey, we're still at a high school. Hey, Cordelia still has to be here. Hey, Buffy needs to be miserable. This is great. I won't attack you at school, but don't let your guard down. And Usagi has to eat lunch alone on the roof just like Ami used to. Those two sentences... I brainwashed everybody because I couldn't miss school and I, I'm not going to tell you, but, but don't let your guard down are such. We still want to be a high school show despite all these stakes. So fuck you. It's perfect. Um. So while this is happening, Kunzai and Jadeite are talking. Jadeite knows that the princess is a fake. Uh-huh. I have to question why every time Kunzite speaks... I mean, not even just Kunzai. Anytime any of the four kings speak to each other, their faces are so close together. Oh, uh, that's just like how kings talk. That's just how kings talk. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on the roof, Artemis shows up. It's the first time him and Luna have seen each other for a minute, and they are the horniest stuffed animals I've ever seen. Yeah, that's saying something. They are extremely much horny cats, but Artemis kind of ruins it by telling Luna that... um. <laughs> He has a direct order from the princess and the girls have to fight Mercury. So when Luna relays this information to the three remaining girls later, um, Usagi basically doesn't even want to be Sailor Moon anymore if Ami's not with them. And Mako and Ray both refuse to fight Ami. Yeah. But we have a new black and white jester monster at the amusement park. And this is the first monster that I'm like, I'm genuinely afraid of. Yeah, a real clown box monster. Like a real like no face monster. Just a real... This looks like it eats kids. It looks like he's going to eat me in my sleep, and I'm kind of afraid to go to bed. Uh, But they fight it in the park, and it's like... Ray and Mako go to go fight the Jester in front of belugas and jellyfish in an aquarium part of the amusement park. And then they end up in a little creepy kids theater. Ami, Usagi sees Ami on the carousel where she's just like evil and sitting like Alessa in Silent Hill. Ami ends up throwing Usagi onto the clown stage in the theater and almost slices her head off. But Venus appears and gets in the way and tells Usagi to cheer up. But Venus is too weak to really fight her. So she tells Sailor Moon that she has to fight and can't let her be herself be defeated. It looks like she's going to get up and fight. And instead, she closes her eyes and powers back down into Usagi and apologizes to Ami for not noticing that she got captured. She pulls out the gloves that Usagi made, or that she, Usagi pulls out the gloves Ami made for her, and asks Ami to just go back to the karaoke bar with her. And Ami slices the glove in half. Mm-hmm. I, I bawled my eyes out. Usagi had one single tear, and then a second single tear, and that second single tear fell onto her necklace. And Usagi retransforms, and. Like she like has beams of light bursting out of her that kill the monster and almost transforms Mercury before Kunzite grabs her. She's awakened. She is awakened. And most importantly, the light restored her gloves. 
so that's that's the really important part. I cried a lot, but also in the Dark Kingdom, we find out Metalia has enough power to re- to resurrect, and the last crystal of the Four Kings shakes. And we cut to Mamoru and Hina, who are going to go to the amusement park, but they hear piano music playing in Mamoru's apartment. And it's the music that Zoysite was playing in the episodes with Zoysite. And we see, like, this King Boo-ass Zoysite sitting at a piano in Mamoru's apartment. And he just looks up and says, Master Endymion. Because he found out right before he got gemmed or whatever. But he looked like King Boo. Yeah. And that's the episode. Yeah. And ah, uh, so next time we have a lot to look forward to. We have the end of 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 the original Sailor Moon anime. Uh, we have the death of the Sailor Guardians. We have um what seems to be um more on the hopefully more on the death disease that Monaco is dying of. I'm so worried about her. <laughs> and the study abroad at Saints Bury like like Saintsford. Um We'll have the continued bimification of Ami. Um, it's a lot. I'm stressed. I'm excited. And I'm Molly. Stop. <laughs> but no. Uh, so next time we cover 45 and 46 is Richard Sailor Moon anime. Episodes 23 and 24 of Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. But before we get to that, I guess. Um, who are your favorite characters this time, baby? Evil Ami, I guess. Evil Ami. Evil Ami, okay. I liked Evil Ami too. I'm gonna say Matoki was pretty good, and I'm gonna say um, I appreciated um, Ray in the anime when they stuck their tongues out at each other. I was more thinking when she like didn't let them help, and and then was the first to help. Like I said, but I guess that too. Okay, I have a real answer. Did you have any favorite outfits that we saw this time? Ami's evil outfit, the paparazzi bell bottoms. And also, like, we got more of, we both felt like it was a bigger Jupiter transformation scene. Mm -hmm. I never noticed Jupiter's, like, waist belt. That was pretty good. Did you have any favorite effects that we saw? This is more the toku part, but, like, any cool animation, too, I guess, fits. The rose petals. Good rose petals. The evil nose crinkle. Was that an effect? I heard, yeah, there was like a little evil effect over it. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I must, but speaking of paying attention, we'll be back next month with uh, the next two episodes of like key shows we said. And we will be back um, next week uh, where me and Jason Baker will talk about our next lot of uh 23 and 24 of both common rider build and chosen to die jetman very exciting episodes um definitely a bit of a turnaround of our opinions on common rider build uh from like a lot early on and then the week after that we will have me steph and our guest david starting the common rider deno book club episodes one through eight gonna be very exciting um that's a show that i think has a lot going on um has a lot of people who have thoughts about it but haven't watched it for a while. So we'd love to hear people that follow along and have thoughts and like their questions or like even observations. But babe, uh, where can people find you when you're not talking about your At Ellie Sorrow. You can find uh, me on Twitter.com at James Ford. You can find the podcast at Comrade Me on Twitter and Instagram. 
com for episodes and articles. com slash episodes for links out to different platforms. com slash merch for our merch with proceeds going to usually usually the Trevor Project. If it's within a couple of weeks of um, this episode coming out, then it's going to the Ukrainian Red Cross. But for right now, I guess, what do we got to say, babe? The birds. The grass. Try finger, butthole. <laughs> Try finger, butt bimbo. <laughs> oh, that's a good lesson. <laughs>